Hey everyone, this is John Mauser. I'm a fishing guide and a rod builder on the Crystal Coast of North Carolina. I'm using this podcast to build a relationship with all of you and to tell some stories along the way that will hopefully entertain, educate, and inspire everyone who's listening. This is the True Tales Podcast Show. How's it going, everybody? I just wanted to take a few minutes today and talk about uh, what I consider one of the more important topics for people that come fish with me when they come to a charter. But this is not just for if you're going fishing with a guide. This could be, you know, visiting a buddy, saltwater fishing, or could be, you know, if you're coming down somewhere and trying to do a DIY trip. This could be whether you're fishing on foot or on a skiff. Or, you know, in a center console out in the ocean. And that topic is uh, fly casts that actually catch fish. And this is a topic that comes up often with people that come fish with me. You know, keep in mind that, you know, I guide on the southern coast of North Carolina. Inshore, we're generally fishing for redfish when we're sight casting fish. And then off the beaches, we can be sight casting to schools of albacore or bluefish or Spanish mackerel and other things. And this this is kind of... The same ideal or the same principle is is useful for any of those things. And honestly, it's it's pretty universal. If you're fishing in the Bahamas for bonefish or in the Keys for tarpon or in the Northeast or out of the country, you know, there's a difference between casts that catch fish in freshwater, casts that look good in the grass, and casts that catch fish in the saltwater. And I want to talk about fly casts that, that catch fish in the saltwater that produce, you know, and obviously if you're coming down, if you are a freshwater angler and, or an angler who doesn't, you know, get to fish, but a handful of times a year, obviously if you're going to make the trip to the salt to try to catch fish on fly, that's the goal is to be prepared as possible. Um, And this is something I think is, is pretty important. When I get anglers on the front of my boat, all ranges of fly casters, I get people who show up who have only just recently picked up a rod, you know, and they come down and they want to, they've been casting a rod for a month and they want to catch a redfish on fly because they saw it on YouTube or saw it on TV or in the magazines and it looked cool. And, you know, that's a whole nother topic because then you get into expectations and reality, but I get a lot of new casters. The majority of the anglers I get on the front of my skiff are trout anglers who may have had, you know, a year, they may have 10, they may have 30 years of fly fishing experience, but it's generally with smaller rods, you know, three, four or five weights, smaller lines, small flies, short casts, you know, accurate presentations, but, but not speed of delivery and, and, and distance is not nearly as important with those guys. They don't have to deal with the same weather conditions as us. So, and that's a wake up call when they come down here because they may be a really great trout angler or even, you know, a smallmouth angler or something like that. But, you know, when they come on the coast, it, the, the script gets flipped and it's completely different for them and it can be frustrating. And then I'll also get occasional saltwater anglers, you know, people who maybe do a couple destination trips a year. They, they go to the Bahamas once a year or they go, you know, to the Keys once a year um, or maybe out of the country, but they're not constantly in the salt dealing with the conditions Uh, So they may get a little bit rusty on their cast. 
my job as a guide is to one, try to feel those things out beforehand and see where they are as a caster. And sometimes that's not asking straight out, you know, how far can you cast or how many false casts do you need to make? Or can you double haul? Sometimes it's like, you know, what is your casting experience? What, what do you fish for? How often do you fish for them? You know, like what are the sizes of the waterways that you're fishing? And then I can kind of get an idea and I can talk to them beforehand about things to prep for it. And then also be prepared when they get on the boat, because, you know, my job as a guide is to fill in that gap between their skill level, whatever they bring and what it's going to take to get a fish to eat a fly. And if the, the gap's too far, then, you know, sometimes it ends up being much more of a casting lesson and learning trip than it is a fish catching trip. Um, but that's that's OK, because they're getting something out of it and they're getting closer towards uh, towards that goal. Nobody comes down here the first time in the salt and it's going to be super successful. It is a constant learning experience, not just on your casting and the conditions, but also on how fish react to your cast. I think one good thing to talk about was how is saltwater fly fishing different than other types of fly fishing, like freshwater fly fishing in reference to casting in general on the salt, you're making longer casts in salt than you are in fresh. We get a lot of anglers who are used to throwing a dry fly or a nymph 15, 20, 30 feet. And that's the max of anything they've ever had to cast. I mean, I've had anglers who have come on the boat and they've only blue lined for native brook trout for 10 years. And they literally just make 10 foot roll cast, which is perfect for what they do. But when you come and get in the marsh and you've got spooky fish and six inches of water that are very aware of your presence, you know, and you need to make long, accurate, fast casts, that becomes a problem. So in general, longer cast than in fresh water. That being said, it's not all about hero cast. It's not about making 80, 90, 100 feet cast, throwing the whole line into the backing. I don't know any fish I've caught in, in 15 years here uh, in Swansboro, you know, redfish that was over 70 feet. Like it just doesn't happen. Most of your casts are much closer. You know, your average saltwater cast Let's talk about redfish. Your average saltwater cast for a redfish, 70% of your fish are going to come between 20 and 50 feet away. And maybe 20% are going to come from less than 20 feet away. And 10% are going to come from more than 50 feet away. But it's very not often. That's usually blind casting. That's not sight, not sight casting. So not extremely long cast, but longer cast than you're used to. And of course, if you cast 60 feet in your backyard, that same cast will be 40 feet if you're lucky uh, on a boat dealing with wind and uh, your heart thumping from having a redfish tailing in front of you. So that 30, 40, 50 feet range consistent is important when you're coming to fish in salt water, but also being able to make real short casts and then also being able to bomb one every once in a while to try to you know, get that extra few percent of opportunities that present themselves. And this varies a lot depending on the species, the weather conditions, where you're fishing. So, you know, if you go fishing the Bahamas for bonefish, those fish a lot of times do require a longer cast than, say, a redfish. And not just do they require a longer cast, 
but the water's clearer and you can see those fish generally from longer distances. So you get those opportunities at 50, 60, 70 feet. Whereas here in North Carolina, if the water's stained like root beer, you know, we may have a lot of fish that we just can't see them in a foot of water until they are 10, 15, 20 feet away. And they're very short casts. But in general, um, some of your casts are going to be longer in salt than fresh. Uh, the other, another difference between a saltwater casting and freshwater casting as far as things you have to deal with is weather, more extreme weather conditions. So, you know, you come down on the boat and stand on it. You know, your average day in the summertime, uh, you know, or spring, you're dealing with, you know, 10 to 15 mile an hour winds. No matter which direction you point the boat, they're always going to be in your face. Even if you get back in the woods in a creek, you know, winding back for redfish, the wind will funnel down that creek and it'll blow in your face. So, you know, expect to cast into 10 to 15 mile an hour winds. You may go fishing with a guide and it's going to blow 15 with gusts of 25 and he may still say, hey, we're fishing that trip because it's fishable. And you're going to have to need to be able to make those casts into that wind or with the wind coming on your on the side of your body that you cast on and coming right at you. So dealing with those different conditions, you're also going to have to deal with waves and balance on the front of a skiff. So now you're focusing on your casting, but you're also focusing on not falling. And, you know, especially if you're going to fish Oceanside for tarpon in Florida, or if you're fishing for anything along the coast, like albacore or Spanish and blues. So, you know, not having stable footing and, and always being in moving up and down and still concentrating on your cast and having the wind blowing in your face. Another difference is, you know, you're throwing generally heavier rods than you're used to. So now when you throw a heavier rod, you're having to have more acceleration, not more power, not more muscle, but more acceleration to a stop, more speed to carry that line. You know, we're not going to get into casting techniques. This is more just in general, the, the things that are important with the cast, but you know, we, we won't talk about um, ways to cast better in a salt water. We're not going to talk about how to double haul and things like that on this episode. That's, that's something for another time, but bigger, bulkier flies that don't like to go through the wind, heavier lines, heavier rods. Another thing that's different is the fish are generally always on the move. Yeah. Sometimes you get a redfish that's tailing in the grass. If, if that's the situation you're fishing, and he's pretty stationary, although he's turning left, he's turning right, he's horizontal, he's vertical, he's at a 45 degree angle, he turned right again, you're halfway through your cast, he turned left again. So he's moving a little bit, but not on the move. I'm talking more fishing a, a bay and looking at the shoreline and you've got redfish cruising down the shoreline and they're, you know, they're moving a pretty good clip and now you've got to present a fly to those guys. It's different than fishing in a drift boat where you're casting and you, your line's drifting with the boat or casting in a stream where you're casting upstream and you're mending your line and your fly is coming down to the fish. Now we're trying to get it out in front of a fish that's moving a certain direction, whether that's right and left or straight towards you or away from you. When you get out in the ocean and you deal with something like false albacore, those fish might be moving 20, 30 miles an hour and eating on the surface at the same time. 
And uh, that's probably a whole nother episode about boat positioning for, for fish like that. But, you know, you've got fish on the move. So you're trying to get a good cast, get out in front of them, but also like calculate where they're going to be when your fly is actually in the water, you know, and, and, and head those fish off. And then the ways you cast, you know, sometimes we are sight casting to actual fish where, you know, we see a redfish in 10 inches of water and we've got good clarity and we see the whole fish. We can count, oh, he's got two spots on this side of his tail and three on the other. And you can see the blue edging of his tail. Sometimes you are looking for just parts of fish to cast to. You can see the edging of that redfish's tail as he's sitting at a 45 and he's, his tail is three inches under the water and you just see the tip of his tail moving. And you're trying to figure out where his face is and where that fly needs to be, where you need to cast to. Sometimes you're completely blind casting and, and sometimes you're casting to signs of fish, which is what happens most often. So, you know, you're casting to wakes and mud puffs and, uh, and pushes of, of water and, and, and bait moving and things like that. And you're trying to estimate where that fish is and get a cast out to it quickly. So those are some of the ways that your fly casting is uh, different in salt water than it is in freshwater. The main bulk of what I wanted to hit on today or what I call like the three factors to cast that catch fish in salt water. And again, this can be, this could be in the ocean. Um, this could be, you know, up in the Northeast for stripers. This could be in Florida for permit. This could be in North Carolina for redfish. I'm going to obviously give a little bit of a redfish spin to it, but you know, I'll mention if anything's different for, for other types of fishing. So, there's three factors and those three factors are distance, presentation or accuracy of your cast and speed. And when I say speed, I mean not how fast you're casting. It's speed of delivery from the time you saw that fish to the time you show the fly to that fish. Okay. And that's kind of an order of importance, you know, going back more on the, especially the redfish thing, distance I consider the least important of the three presentation or accuracy sometimes it's the most important but in a lot of situations it's only second most important and very often speed of delivery is actually the most important factor in catching fish in the salt so let's talk a little bit about distance everybody or at least every guy i know uh wants to cast the whole line when he when he picks up a fly rod you know we're hanging out in the parking lot or on the water, on the front of the skiffs, we pick up a rod. The first thing we want to do is strip out all the line and try to throw a hundred foot of line. We want to see the backing come off the reel. You don't ever catch a fish that far out. I mean, heck you could clip the last 30 feet off your fly line and make more room for backing to be quite honest. Again, like I said before, redfish, probably 70% of our fish get hooked 20 to 50 feet away from the boat. Probably 25% at less than 20 feet and maybe 5% at over 50 feet. It's not many. And the reason for that is most of those fish are sighted close to the boat. It, we see them at less than 50 feet unless the conditions are super good. Like some days we get out there and it's slick calm and you can look 200 yards across a bay and see tails popping up or fish feeding. But still, I don't want my anglers casting when we get 70, 80 feet away from this fish. I want to try to get them in a range find that happy medium between getting too close to those fish 
and not being too far away from those fish where they can make an accurate presentation. As soon as we think we can get the fly precisely where it needs to be, then we'll start casting, whether that's 60 feet away or 30 feet away. And the other reason that we don't really catch a lot of fish at super long distances, the longer end of that fly line, is because it's harder to hook fish at that distance. Uh, the more fly line there is out, the more slack in that fly line when you go to set the hook and drive it home, the you know, because we're strip striking these fish, we're not lifting a rod tip on them to hook them. So the more slack, the more stretch there is in your line and your leader. So, you know, you may have 60, 70 feet of line out and you may strip strike three feet, but the fly only moved like an inch and it may not drive the hook home into that fish's mouth. So the closer that fish is, the easier it is to set a hook on them. So that's distance. The, the second most important factor, I think, in fly casts that catch fish in salt water is your presentation or your accuracy. And, and what we're talking about is presentation, it being where that fly lands in relation to the fish, how that fly lands in relation to that fish, and how it's moved, how the fly is stripped or moved in relation to that fish. That's presentation. In the placement of that fly, when we're looking at a fish, has to do with the clarity of the water. How far can that fish see? The depth of the water. How far down does your fly have to sink before it's in that range? Like how much time are you, you know, do you have to give that fly three seconds to sink? Do you have to factor that into where you place that fly? How fast is that fish moving? You know, how much distance is he going to cover between you starting that cast, the fly landing, the fly sinking, and then also how spooky those fish are. Can you drop that fly two feet away from that fish? Or do you have to throw it 20 feet away from that fish and let him approach it because he's going to know if it lands within 10 feet of him? Um, so all these things factor into the presentation. Um, and that's something you have to experiment with. And every fish is different. And every day is different. And every location is different. So some fish will let you drop it six inches from them and they'll eat it. And some fish, you have to throw it 20 feet ahead of them and, and let them come to it. So that's, that's, that's one of the things with presentation. You know, you're not just casting up a stream in fresh water and letting that fly drift down to the fish. You are, are trying to figure out where that fish is going to be and putting that fly where that fish is going to be. And then another thing with presentation, and, and, I, and I see this a lot with anglers that come fish with me, is that you are casting that fly where the fish is going to be not where the fish currently is. And I get a lot of anglers that cast and hit the tail of a fish or cast a foot behind a fish. And it's because they were focused on casting and hitting that fish where it was, where they started casting. And I think a lot of that comes from practicing in the yard. You know, you go and you, you put up, you know, a paper plate or some type of target out in the backyard and you tie your little, puff of cotton on or your piece of yarn on the end of your leader and you go out and you practice and you try these accurate casts, right? Which accuracy is important, but your cast, your accuracy is actually trying to hit the target. And then when you get out on the water, these anglers are so focused on hitting the target that they're trying to hit the fish. And it's just, it's just muscle memory. What we're trying to do is figure out where that fish is going to be. And you're trying to not just 
throw that cast where the fish is going to be, but even farther ahead of where that fish is going to be um, to allow for time for you to strip that fly, get it moving and looking like a natural bait fish. The whole idea is to have that fish think that he found that fly, not that that fly or that crab or shrimp or whatever he thinks it is, you know, fell out of space and landed on his face. That only works in Louisiana, not here in North Carolina. You throw on top of a fish here in North Carolina and you'll never see that fish again. So, you know, a lot of the fish that we see are moving left or right or right to left or, you know, coming in at an angle. They're moving left or right towards us or right to left towards us or away from us. When we're casting those fish, we're not only casting ahead of those fish, but we're casting beyond those fish on the other side. The best way I can describe it is if you were trying to hook the bumper on a car going down the road, you know, you would cast, you see that car coming and you would cast up ahead the direction that car is coming, but also across the road into the yard on the other side of the road. And as that fish comes or that car is coming down the road, you're going to strip that fly across the street and then you're going to basically bring it right across that bumper and drag it. And that's how you're going to hook it. Same thing with fish. You know, I tell my anglers a lot. You know, wipe his nose with the fly or paint a mustache on that fish's face. And that's because a lot of times we're dealing with really low water clarity where you need that fly to come three, four, five, six inches in front of that fish's face. If it is a foot in front of that fish, or even if it's a little too high in the water column, that fish will swim right past it. He won't see it. And just as bad, you can hesitate just a half second too long. And you can actually strip it and strip your tippet or your leader and touch that fish with it. And he'll feel that come across his nose and he's gone. So it's, it's all about watching your fly, watching that fish and lining it up. So, you know, I'll tell an anger angler, maybe, you know, the fish is moving kind of fast, throw 10 feet ahead of that fish and throw two, three feet past them. And that fish doesn't feel it land. And then the other good thing about throwing beyond that fish is if that fish curves away from you as he's moving, you're still in range. Versus if you throw right in front of where you think that fish is going to go and wait and he curves away. Now he's, you're never going to be able to get the fly to him. So you're, you know, you may quickly strip or you may sit and wait till that fish gets in range. But the whole idea is to bring that leader across in front of that fish, a couple feet from him. And then right as he's approaching it, you want that fly to come within a couple inches of him. So he's surprised by it, but he thinks it's an easy opportunity. It's a meal he can't refuse and he's only got two seconds to think about it instinctually. He's either got to suck it in or it ain't going to happen. And and that in, instinctual bite is where you get a lot of redfish that eat. Of course, if the fish is coming towards you, um, that's tougher because the fish is coming towards the boat. You know, he's getting closer and he is going to at some point realize that there's something big floating in front of him and he's not going to like it. So your time is a little bit less that you can work with that fish, but you're basically casting straight towards that fish. Again, letting that fly, you know, if he's barely crawling, maybe you're only throwing a foot or two in front of him. If he's moving towards you pretty good, maybe you're throwing 10 feet in front of him. And then you're letting that fish catch up. And once he gets within six inches or a foot of it, you're stripping and you're trying to keep the same speed as that fish um, until he decides to overcome that fly and eat it or not. Unfortunately, those casts give the fish a little bit longer to look at the fly versus one that comes across his face sideways. And then if you get fish that are moving away from you, those are the toughest ones um, because you're trying not to line a fish. Uh, generally with presentation with those fish, again, we're trying to throw, lay the leader beside the fish, not the fly line, and throw, you know, four or five feet past them, either on the left or right side of them, and then strip it back towards them. Fish are generally not used to bait coming at them. 
because prey usually runs from them. Uh, so a lot of times they won't eat it, but sometimes they will turn and they'll eat a fly that's coming at them that way. The most important, I think, again, and in, in the, in the factor that is left out the most by people who come down and, and don't saltwater fly fish regularly is the speed of the cast. And, and what I mean, again, is the speed of delivery from the time that, not just from the time that you see that fish to the time you can give that fly, but it all comes into communication. Like if you're fishing with a guide or a buddy, from the time they see that fish to the time you can get your eyes on that fish to the time you can put that cast out there to the time that you can strip that fly in front of that fish, the quicker you can do that accurately and at the right distance, the much, much higher percentage chance you have of getting that fish to eat. So I like to think that every single fish, again, whether it's a tarpon or a redfish or a school of albacore or whatever, uh, they all have a clock on them and it's ticking down. Depending on the situation, some of those clocks have 30 seconds on it. A lot of those clocks have six, seven, eight seconds on it. And some of those clocks have like one and a half seconds. And literally sometimes, you know, we're looking at the, a fish that just appears out of the mud eight feet in front of the boat, shorter than your fly rod. And that fish hasn't seen you there because obviously that fish is unaware of the situation, which means he's in a good mood and he's willing to eat. And he likely will eat for you if you can figure out not only to how to get a fly in front of him eight feet away from you, but also how to do it in about one and a half seconds, because that is about the amount of time on that fish's clock before he looks up and goes, oh man, there's a UFO floating over my head. I'm out of here. And so that's where that, that speed of delivery comes in so important. You know, it's, it's similar to, you know, if you're in a tree stand hunting in the woods and, and you've got a deer coming through the woods, you know, there's a clock ticking on that deer. If you're going to try to shoot him with a bow and arrow at some point, he's going to turn broadside and he's going to give you a good shot. And if you hesitate too long, he likely may turn a different angle or take off. And so, you know, it, it's all about getting that shot as quick as you can when that opportunity presents itself. And and the way to do that is to always be ready to cast these fish in an instant. You know, learn your ready position, you know, having your correct amount of line stripped out, beholding the fly in your non-casting hand, ready to toss it out and go right into a cast. Um, it, it even comes down to, again, you know, we're not going to talk about casting it today, but if you can double haul and you can make a cast to a fish at 30 feet away, with one false cast, you have infinitely better opportunities to catch that fish than if it's going to take you five false casts to cast to that fish. Uh, just because of the time and the chance that, that fish is going to spook or turn away or no longer be in a right angle for you to make a presentation to it. And then also just, you know, being in that ready casting position, but just always be looking and listening to the person you're working with. If you've got a guide, if you've got a buddy, uh, communicate quickly and effectively with them, you know, they start calling a fish out and you don't see it, start pointing your rod, whatever you can to kind of show them you think you're looking in the right direction. And then you guys work that out together and we won't get into the details of that, but the quicker you can communicate, the more ready you are and the the better your casting efficiency is, um, the quicker you can present that fly out and get it in front of that fish's face, the, the much higher chance you have to get that fish to see that fly and eat it before he knows that something's up. That's basically it today. Um, so just, you know, remember if you're coming down fishing with somebody, you know, talk to your buddy, talk to the guide, talk to the lodge you're staying at, see what types of casts they think you're going to need. You know, the distance, how long this fish give you, 
the kind of the angles those fish come and the distance those fish are going to be at, how accurate your casts need to be, where you need to place your fly with those fish. Um, you can talk about all that stuff on the boat, but if you can kind of have some of that knowledge base beforehand to help you practice and, and kind of mentally get in the right zone, all the better you'll be when you go fishing. And practice for those types of casts. You know, if, if you're going to fish somewhere where you're mostly going to make 20, 30 foot casts, that's what you need to practice for the most part. If you're going to make 60 to 80 foot casts, practice for that. If you think it's going to be windy, go out in your yard or out in the baseball field or soccer field and, and practice when it's windy, you know, and cast into the wind and figure that out. Work on your casting so you can make those efficient casts into the wind. Practice placing the fly where the fish are going to be. Not worries when you first see them. So, you know, you can place some targets out in the yard to practice, but imagine those are moving targets and practice casting ahead of it. And uh, heck, get your kid out there with his little race car and drive it around the, in the parking lot and try to pretend it's a redfish and, and lead it casting to it. You can figure out some creative ways to, you know, put your cat out in the backyard and cast towards your cat as he's moving around. See if you can catch him. So anyway, hope this helped a little bit. If you guys have any questions, do not hesitate to contact me and I'd love to help you out and uh, hope you guys have a fantastic day. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you guys.